peach crayon. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> I don't know either, but you like to go on. And welcome back, y'all. This time we're discussing The Children of Virtue and Vengeance by author Tomi Adeyemi. It is part two of the her Orisha book series. series. The Orisha series, yes. Yeah, part, trilogy. I don't know yeah, part, yeah, book two of the trilogy for the Orisha series. And it was back with a vengeance. Funny I should say that because the name is called Children of, and I know I said it wrong all the other times, but it's Virtue and Vengeance. And so in book two... I know y'all you remember where we left off last time with book one if you read it and you have if you have not read it you should read it because book two is about to jump off I wish we could talk about what happens at the end of book two but y'all we we can't because there's no way to articulate that but we'll articulate how we can't articulate about it which will be interesting uh, but see in this second book after battling the impossible Zeli and Amari have finally succeeded in bringing magic back to the land of Orisha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the ritual was more powerful than they could have imagined. Reigniting the powers not only of the Magi, and spoiler, but of nobles with magic ancestry too. So now Zeli struggles to unite the Magi in an Orisha where the enemy is just as powerful as they are. But when the monarchy and military unite to control of Orisha... Zeli must fight to secure Amari's right to the throne and protect the new Magi from the monarchy's wrath. And I'm sorry if I'm like uh, ruining this for y'all, but y'all should have read. So anyway, with civil war looming on the horizon, Zeli finds herself at the breaking point. She must discover a way to bring the kingdom together or watch as Orisha tears itself apart. Can I just say there was a lot. There was a lot, and I had to take a break when I first started reading it because, I kid you not, it was stressing me out. Mm. I could swear I was having palpitations. On oh, so many levels. I don't know. What, I don't know. I, there was so much, and I had to remember that they are teenagers. Yes, I we talked about like, this. I can't with this right now. I need to, that combined with all the other stuff that's happening right? in the world right now, it was too much. The thing for is, you me can't even take care, you couldn't even take all the stuff that was already going outside of their own personal, like, teenage drama. And then you throw on the hormones of teenage drama, and you're just like, in a civil war <laughs> on top of that, you just like, man, you know, I'm have, tired. Yeah. She wore me out with that book. You know, when you have books or you like watch stuff where you talk it out loud to yourself because it's just you don't understand how the characters is getting to this point and you're upset with them and they're upset with you because you imagine yourself in this position and you're just like, what, what, and what in multiple forms, which I will not say. Yes. And that is exactly why I had to remind myself that they were, they couldn't be more than 16 and 17 years old. I had to just keep saying that. Because I was just like, why? 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 Sorry, I'm watching these two flies fly around. So this, the funny thing is, how intense this book is, she had a little bit of a a problem, or she had a bit of trouble trying to write it. Because she, in an interview which we posted by the LA or Los Angeles Times that we put on our Facebook prior to this dropping, uh, she talks to, she talks about how, first book had an idea pretty much all came out and then she basically had a third book idea in mind but she didn't know what she was doing with the second book like it took her forever to put it out and she put herself under a tremendous amount of pressure to write this second book 
Okay. Doing a lot of things like emotional research, which you can, yes, you feel the emotion. It, like I said, just as stressed out, I was feeling stressed out just reading the book. Mm. And I was just like, by the time I got to the end, I was like, oh, say what? <laughs> I was, it was like, you were, I don't even know, because I knew there was a third book coming. Yes. And then you read it as it's building in the second book. You're like, okay, there's some resolutions probably, but what's going to be the twist? And then the twist came up and slapped me in the back of my head after I like read the book or I read the like leading up to that part. And I was just like, wait, what, what, what? And I was so mad because you were not done yet. And I literally walked to your room. I think your door was closed. Yeah. And then I walked back to my room and then I walked back to your room and I almost knocked. And then I walked back because I was like, I don't know if she read it. And I was like, I want to make her feel pressured to finish it because I need to talk about this. I, yeah, I was like dying inside. Long story short, I hadn't finished reading it by the time she came and finally knocked on the door. and was just like, we need to talk about this book. And I'm like, I'm not done with it yet. I'm like, you need to finish it. And then by the time I did finish it, we did not talk about it. We talk, We may have mentioned like a few things, but other than that, we did not talk about it. It's interesting that when she created this, so she said she did a lot of emotional research to create these characters because uh, she. the idea is uh, she is creating this amazing fantasy world where, you know, oh, you're, these teens, as along with dealing with, you know, having betrayal and all this other stuff. They're dealing with magic and things that are not of this world. So it's very hard to connect sometimes fully if your characters are not complex enough to carry the story and bring people into that world. And she has this really good quote where she talks about um, how it was really important for her to make these human characters or make the it human fantasy because it's like you have these things that are so removed but you still want, she still wants her readers. She still wants to connect with these characters. And she did so because, like, when you think about the stages of grief and how different people function and react to grief, you get very different uh, perspectives going on with Iman, uh, Imari, Amari, Iman, Inan. God, I'm getting these all correct messed up amari anan and zeli and even then you get the 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 grief that zane feels and you feel other people's as well you get it, mama agba yes comes to mind too there's so many characters in there that i was actually talking to someone who wanted me to finish this book and she was waiting for me to like get done so she could talk to me about it and we were discussing the fact that like at first we had wanted certain characters to have we were like there was points in the book where i expected her to pop in like randomly or i could feel it coming and I was anticipating it, like, if she had, like, a surprise insert of, like, Mama Agba. Because right. it fit. But she chose to still go the route of the perspective of either Amari or um, Zaley in regards to Mama Agba, Agba. And it still worked really well with conveying what Ma- Mama Agba was going through and what kind of, to an extent, what she felt. But then you also remember that this is this is a story for young adults. It's also a story of from the perspective of a young adult and them interpreting what older people are feeling and, and experiencing and trying to understand that. And I think that did a really good job of taking that around that perspective. I think it's also good because in the first book, she lays a very good foundation. Mm. So we already know because of all the things that have happened with Zaley and her family and Amari and her family. So we already had an Anon and that whole dynamic we already see 
that there's a lot of emotional baggage that has come with that because of their different perspectives as well as the people that they interact with. And then she goes and she continues to build on that foundation. So now we get a chance to see the results of, all of, of you know, of what's happening, you know, with instances of PTSD mm. that you could say some of the characters feel. Oh, they definitely experience. Also, the drive that some of them feel to do certain things, like mm. what's really driving what's motivating them. them. Um, there were times when I could see myself kind of as Amari, mm-hmm. also kind of as Mama Agba, yeah. because I've already been a teenager and mm-hmm. now I'm adult. I'm not as old as Mama Agba. I was like, well, but, but you but can see some I of can, her experience. Yes, because I can, I, I can remember hearing, you know, how you can remember the things, the cruel things that people say mm-hmm. or just things that people have driven into you and those things can come back like Amari does whenever she's thinking about something or she's trying to do something her father's voice comes back into her head right and all the things that he literally beat into her there was literally a point and I've notated it in my notes because it about the how they different like um, how they react to their own trauma and it was the fact that he she at one point further along in the story as she's combating this other person in her family that's kind of like running on the opposition to her she thinks to herself would my father be proud of me would he approve of this plan i think he would like she was valid like still searching for validation from him even though she despises him there's this cruel past that they have they're still yeah he was abusive all these things but it's so ingrained in her that even when she's trying to do right or she thinks she's doing right or whatever not even the fact that what if she's doing right as she's enacting something she's it's still his pride or not pride his pride in her or like it her his approval of her is still a factor in her mind and well, drives what she does. Yes, but that's also because her father is he's still her father. Yeah. And yeah. and and that's the thing too because you know sometimes people are like, "Man, if someone did that to me, then I would do X Y and Z." But it's this whole dynamic of your even though your parents have done horrible things, mm. they're still your parents. And there is still some even though you may not like what they have done, there's still this love for them despite that. And that's the thing that is difficult to shape. I think going into that, it goes into even further complexities. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, of, but I didn't want to lose this thought of the fact that even then, there's the idea of also discerning when it's too, it's too toxic and when to like, and how it's hard for people to let go because there's this feeling of this is my family and I have to love them no matter what, or I'm still connected to them. I have to be connected to them no matter what, or forgive them for no matter what. And it gets into these further complexities of like, when is it, when you're dealing with toxicity from family members, how do you let go? How do you remove them from your life so that you can have, you know, a better life, that you can have some sort of peace in your life? Because that's a lot of people, that's what people, a lot of people are dealing with today of being able to say, I don't, you know, my parents were horrible people. I need to, you know, let that go, let them go. I can't stay connected because they're just bringing toxicity in my life. You know what I'm saying? They'll drag you down. Right. But it's, it's difficult because it's like, what is that line of like, when is it too much? And you need to cut these people off like Amari and her family in this story there, you know, she, she deals with that of like people saying things about her family, her brother, her mother. And she, for some cases like pulling for them no matter what. And then, 
in other cases not and how she has to deal with that struggle of like internalizing what's best for her country but also how does she deal with her connection with her family in all of this and you know and i think linking to that is also the idea of forgiveness as well as not holding the sins of parents against the children Mm -hmm. and because that is also something that comes into play with uh the resistance and amari because even though amari was half the reason that they were able to get their the the magic the magi were able to get their magic back their power back they still kind of treat her like she is the enemy and so this whole dynamic of always having to try to prove herself as one of them and having to justify Mm. why she should be queen of orisha how she's going to change everything for the better and unite the whole people and you can see all of these dynamics playing out Mm. with how it turns her and zaley against each other yeah the split between them is and at the same time how all of these painful feelings that have existed before Mm. that we we came across in the first book and didn't get a chance to be really addressed or resolved because there wasn't time they definitely they come back to play Mm. in this in this book and you still get that sense of these things still don't get a chance to really be fully fleshed out and addressed by the characters even though it's still the same thing that's kind of weighing all of them down you hear as a general like as a person outside of this world watching and reading about it you see the inter- the conversations that keep popping up about the intergenerational genocide that's occurred and the hatred because it comes up in conversations multiple times in multiple different groups and anon and his mother when he reflects on his father when you hear the uh, resistance talk about it mama agba that conversation comes up a lot in this story so i do think it's very much addressed as a outside perspective but you're right when you're thinking on their individual perspective levels they're just like when confronted with these conversations they and they i'm about to jump into a whole nother conversation but it connects just go ahead but but basically what this means but the fact that they are not really seeing how they both play parts in this and one side is very much like the resistance is like this is the match or this is the the um Kosidans and the monarchy we need to take them out no matter what kill everyone in the monarch in the family you know everything was and then on the same side of the Kosidan and this is a generality I'm not saying that everyone was like this but like kill all the magi and or restrain them or call them back into being chattel things like that and sometimes it was you could feel Amari's frustration of her saying like I'm not just thinking of one side or the other i'm trying to bring us all together and it's hard watching her struggle with these people where she's right in a sense it's like we have to be united united in this but then mama agba has a conversation with her later on and she was like you have i she's like i see your point girl she's like and you're absolutely right we do need to come together there needs to be some resolution but you have to also understand where both sides are coming from they both have histories of trauma and then she and she was speaking in this very, both in the terms of just her and Zaley, but also in an expanded part of just talking about what was going on in the history of Arisha. Right, because what was happening to her and between her and Zaley was a result of what had happened with the Kosadan and the monarchy, as well as the Magi throughout mm-hmm. all of Arisha. All that was was something that was being played out. Well, you could see it on a smaller scale between them and then on the larger scale because what was happening between them is the same thing that was probably happening all throughout Orisha at this time as well. And that's why I really think I I could understand Mama 
Agba and relate to her mm. quite a bit was because once you get older, you have the ability to see some things that you might not have seen because of your youth. Not to say that, you know, <laughs> teenagers don't know anything and can't comprehend things. And not they to can. say that adults know everything. Yes, not to say that, but that there are some times when you can look back on a situation and you can see all the sides because of the experiences that you've had living through it, as well as being able to see, like I said, both Other sides people of the that, you know, right. Going through this because Mama Agba was there before the crackdown and during the crackdown, during the crackdown, after the crackdown. And so when she takes them aside, I love how she does it. She goes to Zaley and Amari individually to have these conversations and the other thing is that she they have reverence for her because of her age and her wisdom but she allows them to go forward and make the choices that's a huge thing she definitely makes them feel the love and support because there's a part where amari says that i think mama agba looks at her in a way that she's like i've never felt that kind of love like and just the fact that felt love without being uh judged or commented upon or anything like that she was like that was the first and she was like mama agba was the only person who's ever loved me it was it was unconditional right especially for someone who's never been able to even feel that from her own family Mm. that's a huge thing but i think that goes to the strength of mama agba's character even though we don't get a chance to really see her very much just like in the first book she doesn't play that much of a role but when she is there she leaves a very powerful impression Mm. and the wisdom that she leaves behind and i love one of the things that she tells amari in the story is you are so young Mm. and yes i'm paraphrasing she's like don't basically you've made mistakes Mm -hmm. But don't let those mistakes define your life. I wrote that down. And I love when she says that because when you're 16 and 17, I remember as a teenager, you feel like everything is just going to explode or implode. You know, something bad happens. It is the end of the world. And you're still trying to. And and I think to a point she said define or destroy you. And I think that's very important to understand the difference of that. Of like allowing yourself because you know we it can a mistake you can allow mistakes that you've made in the past to actually destroy you to, right to impede any progress you could possibly make in your life and for sure just because you were a goth in high school for a short second doesn't mean that that's your only identity and who you are don't just because you or that's all you are right like you were exploring how to explore your sadness and your your emotion or if you're whatever form you took that's not and all the mistakes and things you said unless i mean you're out there well i mean basically when you're a teenager that does not define your whole life Mm. you still have so much of your life ahead of you so you're gonna make tons of mistakes Mm -hmm. they never stop but at least the the important thing is that you learn from them and you move on that kind of makes me think kind of of the cancel culture Mm. that's going on right now now granted we all have the right to say what we like which means that we're not all going to agree because we're not always going to like what someone else says but there is a very delicate balance that has to be struck because you can't just always punish people because they don't think and believe the same thing you do and and i think that you can see that what happens with that in the book because the resistance because of their experiences because the anger that they feel they actually do that 
to Amari. They punish her because she thinks differently mm. and because of how she interprets and sees things differently instead of, and the t- tough thing can be when you are in a high emotional state and you're very angry, mm-hmm. is to stop, take a step back and listen to what the other person has to say, even if you may not like it, even if you may not agree. To see that other side. But to get, yeah, get that perspective and see if there is something that you could possibly do to bridge a gap right making reach an agreement because it could be that you're both you know missing something and together you find a better answer to whatever on the hot the the or in my in the favorite things i remember when you and dad would get into arguments i'll just when, when you were when you were a teenager it would be hilarious because you were both saying the same thing just in two different ways mm-hmm. and mom and i would just like look at you and i was like mom do they realize they're saying the exact same thing but by that time you all were so upset with each mm. other you weren't hearing what you were saying but you were saying the exact same thing in yeah. two different ways i don't you know what's funny is i don't remember those those ones i'm thinking are not the ones that were the bad ag- arguments no <laughs> i said those were just I yeah. thought those were amusing. I don't remember the, those ones. They got overshadowed by other things. But that's true. I mean, there's times where, like, you just... I think there's a huge part of what I've learned. Because I used to have a temper. I remember all the time... Oh, yes. That I yes. was told... And I still... To, and, and it doesn't go away. You never get rid of a temper. No, it's but just, you have better control over it. And it took me a while. And I'm not going to say the thi- some of the things I did to help control that. But it still took me a while to just... It was exhausting, you know? And I think sometimes when I see Zaylee, uh, and the anger that she, like, goes through, and, like, the whirlwind of emotions, I understand her sense in that, and that's, I think, why she frustrates me more, is because I see that part of myself of, like, getting so caught up in your grief and your emotion and kind of, like, wanting to escape or just give up, as opposed to, like, seeing that the other side as well to that or understanding other perspectives or opening myself up to just being like to grieve or be sad and then moving on like and or letting my anger be expressed in different other ways than just striking out and lashing out at people right especially because she lashes out at the person and as people do they lash out at people closest to them and And for Zaylee that was Zane Zane Amari she lashed out because even Mama Agba yeah at one point she's like she even admits and Amari senses it and she admits it not to each other but that ever since Amari got magic she looked at her differently there was like this I don't want to say disgust because I don't think that was the exact word but almost to to a point disgust because it was like why did I bring magic back if this is what's going to happen that and someone who's she deemed as being unworthy of magic to have that and even then that goes to that goes into the layers of just how with with i don't know if i want to get this topic with racism of just like just you know as black people we we are marginalized and silenced for so many things but we also have our own tendencies that we need to also not tendencies that's the incorrect word that i want to use but we also have our own issues that we have to address as well yes along the way of getting our own justice and being accepted for that to happen we have to also be able to reciprocate what we're asking for you know what i mean to yes other i agree that that is extremely fair and because then you're just being hypocritical if you can't mm. do that mm. and so there's just this i have so many examples in my head of what happens in the story and i want to be like let them all spill out well not all of them because yeah. you know we want people to actually read the book because they should you should read the book totally but if I mean, so obviously y'all know Anon comes back at this point because I mentioned Anon we several turn times. Out the Mac and, and I don't know if 
this this person I was talking about earlier, she mentioned the love story and how much she didn't really care for that. And I was like, yeah, it didn't. I mean, I get it. It was like love, young love, trying to and during wartime. Who knows what that's really like? Um, well, I'll, I kind of saw it, though. I can I agree and I understand that point. Mm. I also saw it as here's this connection between two unlikely people mm-hmm. on this particular level. So yes, you can get beyond certain things to mm. love someone Something you saw new. potentially as an enemy mm. who actually was not. Oh, your I mean enemy. like in the second book, not oh, so much in the first I was book thinking about the first. Book no, this book. is more in the second book of like, just kind of the relationships with all of them, I think were important because it talks about their transition as young adults trying to deal with their emotions and their hormones during this war period like you understand at one point when they have a party before they're about to go to war and though Amari in her head says her father would never do such a thing it's important it was important for them because going back to what you said life life is short sometimes you don't know when you're gonna die so if you're gonna go to war the next day you might that might be your last night so to enjoy moments or give yourself space to enjoy moments in life when you don't know what's gonna happen and to take time with the people that you love and care for um because still relieve some of the stress too right and And so i think that the emotional connections were kind of important you know it's a young adult fantasy of course you're gonna have love scenes well i think with it comes to zaley and zane sorry i I interrupted your your thought that it's the same thing with people just because you are angry with someone doesn't necessarily mean that you magically fall out of love with them after you've shared strong connection or strong feelings for that person it takes time to sometimes let go and get over it and move past that and i think that's where we kind of see zaley and inan's relationship Mm. she's trying to move on but she took a route yet here are these memories of the good times that they shared that come creeping back in which make her more angry if anything yes because i mean granted she has a reason Right. to be angry for sure and it makes it harder to get past that because now you got to continuously remind yourself of all the horrible things a person did speaking as someone who's been in a ter- in crappy relationships when it, it it definitely sours how you view your next relationships as well like it's hard for you to connect with other people because you have those past interactions of like when things that happen that are good and work out and then but it led to this terrible interaction later or something that turned terrible it's like you're second guessing everything that happens to you you're very cynical and you see that in Zelly as long along with the fact that every time she allows herself to open up to people and to be soft with them because she's not a hard person you see that as she's very I don't want to say delicate but it reminds me of this uh, she's sensitive she's sensitive but it reminds me of this poem that I heard where it's like if I find it I'll post it but it was basically I want to be soft and hard because that's who I am I'm I'm both able to like stand up for myself and do what's right or like do what's necessary when I need to do it but I'm also easily fragile and like easy to break and have emotions that need to be tender to because like we all do otherwise you know things go off the deep end and she's dealing with not only the betrayal of Anon but also and the warp and losing her still the the hurt of losing her mother but she's lost her father father, now she has to make sure she's got this fear of her brother being lost for several different reasons and her plan was basically on track all she had to do maybe she lost her father but if magic came back for magi 
that was great but it was just like nope you know you worked this hard to get to this point and there's no time for you to rest because there there's still stuff to do this you can't just repair generations of trauma and pain and a degradation and silence in like one moment which is very much a narrative that we are dealing with now of like yes. all this time we've been dealing with these things and yes people have been fighting standing up and fighting and trying to change it and now that we have a catalyst a real catalyst point where there's shit it's crazy like in the, the story they're about to go to war basically the entire world it's in or nations in civil unrest you know it's not going to change overnight unfortunately it's going to be hard and and we're going to want to take time yes it, it takes time and it takes a lot and that also kind of reminds me of south africa when mm. after apartheid ended and nelson mandela became president of south africa he basically said we are just going to move forward from here we're not going to go and rehash all of these things we're not going to go and treat the uh white south africans differently than the the, mm. the black we're not gonna south switch africans. The, we're not gonna we're not flip. gonna switch roles we're just gonna mm. go forward as one united people mm. and i'm sure there were so many people who were upset about that because it was like well now that we're in power they should know what it's like and i and it's very thing, easy to want to have vengeance yes and i think it's the same thing that happens here and i can't remember the name of of the activist i can't remember her name i wish i could but she she had a video that she Angela shot. Davis? No, it's mm. not Angela Davis. She's younger. Mm. And she was basically saying that white people should be grateful that we're not out here trying to get revenge. I oh, can't remember yeah. her name. That's the one that I sent you about the Monopoly? Where she's talking about in the streets that we would be looting or like you're lucky that we're not. Y- yes, that There's we're so, not. I feel like I've heard that conversation yes, though in different speeches. She basically said, yeah. She's basically saying that you're lucky. I wish I could remember her name. But you're lucky that we're not here. Black people don't want revenge. That we just basically mm. want to be treated equally. We want equity. It goes to that that thing as well. You can't always just be like, well, let's just throw money at it. Or let's just pretend like it'll go away. It's not going to go away. Changes have to be made. Work has to be done. And it has to be made on all levels. It's not like just, like you said, to be thrown at one part. It has to be. This is so ingrained in us. And I, I think when I talk to people all the time and I'm, and we have these conversations, like, how could this be like this? And I'm like, or they're surprised that certain things still go on. And I'm just like, you don't realize to just the, the molecules in our being, how much this is ingrained in us on both sides. And even down, they were asking me about AAVE. Oh, what was the word? It was some random word that has become part of now English vernacular like taught as English but it came from AAVE and it was like African American vernacular English sorry you guys thank you Uh, for defining that but uh, it came from that but it's so much now a part of how we speak in English and and they were like I didn't even know that 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 came for that and he was talking to me about it in the sense of like it came he had heard it in gay white culture and knew it had been sampled from black gay culture but didn't realize but he said i heard it in popular culture so i thought it was just like you know english english and i was like no that that came from you know black people and quote-unquote abonics and now it's the cool thing to say and now it's part of every person's vocabulary because it's like pop culture language and sometimes I think that it makes me kind of laugh sometimes how much of black American culture has seeped in Everywhere. to American society 
I'm just going to say the United States. I'm sure it, it has seeped all over the world mm. as well. Mm. But I'm just going to say specifically with the United, States. the United States because I worked in a law office where the majority of the attorneys were white. And yet, I remember hearing some of the attorneys when they would talk to each other. Hey, what's up, man? Bro. And I was just like, that's very funny. Someone who is from a most likely predominantly white mm. setting grows up there and yet it's so seeped in black culture native american culture yes. when i think about it, like it's it's so deeply ingrained now that here you are having people who are caucasian using words to relate to one another as mm. though they were african-american because it's because that's where it came from but now it's like it's a universal thing Mm. it was sampled and now it's part of the flavor mixture yes just like music and art and so many other things sampled and now it's part of everything i think there's a point i was wondering when i was reading it uh the story how much because they talk about how much was built using uh magi magic prior to everything being shut down and broken and they were still using them as slaves to do certain things so it's like you have these people who you're using even though their magic is quote-unquote tainted to you and they're maggots to you and should be eliminated you're using their magic to create and do these things still and then in the second book they're using their own powers against them and have the special access to be able to use that power at a more at a more powerful level though more erratic and uncontrolled which made me think back to this too again with the sample culture and appropriation of like you get to use black culture freely but when black people use black culture it's deemed negative or stereotyped yes if we talk that way if we dress that way if we have our hair and corn rolls it's not professional but when a white person or a person who is not black appropriates a part of our culture and it's seen as like hip or appropriate or fashionable or honest that right there is you're taking it and you're able to use what is ours and it's a whole new amazing level that we don't have access to and when i was reading the book and and thought about how magic was turned i was like i kind of felt daily's disgust in a way or her and her anger or not anger actually because i'm like yes anger honestly it's just right because that's not what that was not the plan in her mind yeah i'm sure that everything that people create like we i'm sure we wanted to share with everyone but not to have it taken and used and when i think of music this one in my general mind it's like yeah you make music to play and share with other people to hear and jam and like you know connect to but not to steal and appropriate and take it for your own you know what i mean right when you said that about the braids in particular that reminded me of something and i can't remember which actress it was but it was a very popular white actress i wish i could remember her name the kardashians no it was way it's way it was way before we were even born that's how far back i'm talking about here where she had her hair in braids oh Bo Derek? Yes, thank you. I, I remember that issue in the picture. And I, yeah, yes, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I read an article about that, how she popularized it, and people were like, oh, wow, because she was on the Bullshit. beach with braids. Wasn't it a Sports Illustrated? It was some yeah, sort of she, swimsuit. There was some swimsuit, type of yeah. thing that she had to do, and whoever was her manager or whoever it was at the time had her hair braided so that she could go out there and just kind of make this huge impact. Mm. Whereas... 
you have laws now in place in some place start in some states in the United States saying that a person who has natural hair, if they're African American, can't be discriminated against if they wear their hair as naturally. The fact that we even have to have that as GD a law, law on that doesn't G- make any sense. Mm-hmm. I don't see. That's the thing. Like you don't see any laws telling white people what they can and can't. You can't do have with no ratty hair. ass uh, hair bun coming in, looking like you just woke up and threw your hair up in a, a as they call it. I'm sorry, it's a messy bun. I was like, it looks like you just woke up. Can I do a messy bun? No, no. Can I come in with my hair? Oh, this goes. But can to- you come in with your hair natural, depending on where you work and what state you're in? Uh, no, no. Or someone be someone will during an interview where someone told someone who was African American basically that the dreads in her hair needed to come out. Yeah, or you have to cut them out. I've, yeah, there's so many things. Yeah, I was the, told the wrestler, the hi- the the kid in high school who was wrestling. And he, oh, he had to cut his locks, cut his his dreadlocks, just so he could compete so in he something compete. he loves. Yes, and there was no rule about that. And the last time he competed, they just let him put his hair up. Yeah, and I was like, there should be no reason that you should be able to be able to touch this child and and damage him. That's, that's part of his identity. That's part of who he is. That's a person. How embarrassing! And Even yes. though he won. How, How humiliating that I would is be humiliated. in front of all of these people. I was surprised the coach did not yank the entire, just be like, no, like we're this done. is not happening. No. Because or, I, we need a new ref because uh, we need a new official or something. Yep. But, like, none of Nobody that was done. Stepped and up. then the official who mm-hmm. made that call, who should have stood by what he did. Oh, he no. Backed he backed up. He became mm-hmm. a victim because he was like, they were so much, they're so mean I guess, raid because that's, of what he did. But I was just like, you made that decision knowing full well people were going to say something. That's basically telling you telling a white boy that he has to shave his head if he wants to be on the mat. You got to do that? No. But you had no qualms about disrespecting this child. But it shows you how much they value certain things. I still remember... So I've, you know about this, but the fact that I even worked at a job where I kept my hair out of the way, I looked very professional. I wore head wraps. Yeah, your hair is pretty much always on point. And when it's not, because it's at when I'm at home, no one can see me. But sometimes I used to bike to work, and like you get helmet sweaty hair, or you know, as a black woman with natural hair, sweat conditions of weather just don't work well with your hair and sometimes you just need for me I use a head wrap now that's like my thing I love it it's a part of who I am as my identity yeah hats are my thing and I had to be told that I either had to have it as a religious part of like my identity or I couldn't wear it at all because there was supposed to be no exception of having your hair done in any sort of way no no special cuts no anything Apparently, head wraps were included in that. Tell me why every white person at that clinic that I could work at, there was a, a girl, a white girl with dreadlocks. She could have dreadlocks. She was, and I was told, well, she's working in the back of the the facility. But no, she went up and met customers and talked to people. So she was very visual, visible. Tell me why other front staff had different haircuts that were dyed and cut different fun ways and like nose piercings and all these other things that they could have and do crazy fun colors which was strictly against the code for the for uh for dress code there but my head wrap was a violation that i and you know now that i think about it when they said that i kept doing the thing that they kept telling me to stop I realized it was my head. It, what if this was my head wrap? Because I just, after a while, was like, fuck it. If these white women can do whatever the hell they want and just go against the dress code and wear dreadlocks, which is something that 
if I wore that, I'm sure they would have said something to me. But if I'm wearing a head wrap that looks very nice and professional, I didn't come in there looking like I just fell off the back of a truck. But I can't wear. Sorry, y'all. I just went on the rant. I'm sorry. I realized <laughs> you did. What, I was what, like, what and there was a simple answer to your question because you said, "Tell me why." Well, that's basically because of racism. And it, that's the thing, though. <laughs> it goes back to that idea of just like the ability, the power of the Kosadons in this, who were uh, the the Kosadons with magic and his ancestry, to be able to take these things that were created or were from these people and be able to use it against them and use it to benefit themselves against the Magi and benefit themselves as Kosadon in the war against destroying them or manipulating them or take, you know what I mean? Yes. And I feel that anger that in a way Zilly feels and the way that kid feels when he felt, when he had to cut his dreadlocks on there, I felt humiliated. Yes. You know? So I think on several levels, this fucking book hit on so many things. I'm sorry for cursing you guys, but this book hit so many things and I felt emotions that I had when I was a teenager. I felt emotions that I had as a young adult struggling through certain things and how I, and then like we were talking about how you would respond as an adult now. Even if I was an older person, I wonder, I'd have to go back and read this and be like, how do I feel about this now? At this point, I, I probably would go um, based on mom's philosophy where we go and we have like a little conversation. Now, my mom, or I should say our mom, grew up in the projects in Chicago. Don't let that fool you. She will be this one of the sweetest people you will She's ever meet. She's shorter than both of us. She and is smaller. She is she is she is shorter and smaller than both of us. She is one of the sweetest people you will ever meet. Mm-hmm. But don't get it twisted Mm-mm. because she has she has a limit, and when you cross that limit, we already know because at a glance she could still stop us. At our current ages. We know how to joke to a certain point, but we all know there's like... When their look comes across her face, you have reached your limit. Right? That's all you could say. And then we giggle and say, just kidding, and try to run further across the room. Yes. Because she's fast. <laughs> yes. She's very fast. At her age, she's extremely quick. But I do remember where I had teachers that needed some TLC because of some things that they said so mom would go in and I don't know what the the whole conversation was I just remember that one of my teachers started crying because it's not because mom did anything to her but she helps her to realize our parents have never laid a finger on a person for us at this time that I know of I was trying to clarify yes they have not so far as we know (laughs) but for this particular teacher I do remember that she did start to cry which one was because that? she felt bad for what she said it came out poorly mm-hmm. it and it wasn't what she meant to say but the way it came across was not the best way to have put it because she made some type of comment to us when we were in English class about not speaking black English mm. speak that green English yes and well i think first she said white english first Mm. and then she when some of the kids in my class called her out on that she she changed to green english Mm. but the thing is the idea that we can't speak properly we can speak very properly Mm -hmm. when we need to i've done it for years the fact that we need to too that that's close but we know how to do it but we we know we know how to blend into quote unquote white society also i think it's just a professional level of how we're able to i think it's a skill we've developed is being able to be 
perf- you know, like be able to adapt. Oh, we have to. So, like, if we need to go to a business meeting in Japan, we've had to code switch so much or learn how to, like, you know, a, a, uh, adjust in our own society. It's like, I almost feel like people of color have an advantage sometimes with, like... We do have to... In that sense, We do others. have to be able to, to flip-flop, and that is one of the things that you you have to know how to do. I think... Because of how society functions and how it's been set up mm-hmm. it's interesting that you bring that point up to about you and in school and i'm sure mom's done it for both of us i just don't remember all the times but Tommy, she mentions that with writing this book especially just the series in general that she you know she grew up in illinois and like she describes it as being the fly in the milk she and her nigerian family in there Right, we not Nigerian, but we've been but there. like been there as a fly in the milk. Because I remember sometimes when I go back and look at pictures of me in grade school, there was if if there was any, if there was about three at three most. three at most, and we were scattered throughout the picture to look like diversity. I'm yep. sure now that I think, and about then sometimes it went down to one. All my best friends when I was little were white because that was what the yep. neighbor like that was what, and our parents tried really hard to get us into like that's why we were in the suburbs was to be able to like to go to good schools right the education opportunities were better so they moved us out of the city and so she talks about though as being the only black person in a predominantly white town that when she speaks about the different microaggressions and um silences that occur in the book it's not the same to an extent as what zelly experiences but like she's had to experience them on her own and she references this one time that a substitute teacher predicted that she was going to work at mcdonald's and it was just just the idea of and i feel like there's this other author that i heard were basically the same thing they had so and i'm sure every successful person of color has heard at one point in their life because i think even jay-z says at one point that someone his teacher has someone said the same thing but like basically that you're not meant for more than just being a, a worker at mcdonald's or like some low income um underbanked job you know what i mean yes there have been i've had that happen to me where i was told that i was basically gonna amount to nothing and and to to tommy tommy's credit and my own i in high school i was not at the top of my class i'm not gonna lie like that but like I was a good student. I got A's. I was a part of different things. I was working. I was smart. I got older and lost all of that intelligence. But at that time, I worked real hard. And I was in some of the top parts of my class. And to have people tell belittle my existence because I was a person of color. or And because yes. I was a woman, too. A female on top of that. You know, I totally get that feeling of being told that I can't do this because I've already been born into a shit stick or on it doesn't stop in high school no 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 because no. No, even when i went into college life. there would still be adulthood these things yes as well you know things that happen ways that people treat you that they don't treat anybody else in the office that way but just you and the only thing that you can see that's the difference between you and everybody else is color of your skin this racial divide that's just always existed and there's a funny thing that she had said and not funny there's something that she had said that it was the same realization that i had at a certain point in my life too was that she turned got to a certain point and she realized that all of her um, her heroes all of her things in her imagination were linked to white people yes because that was all she had 
that was all the representation she had and that growing up i remember we we were reminiscing about this earlier this week about loving to go to the library we used to spend so much time there we would reading. walk to the library yes and i, on, I remember we'd sit in different corners i had yes. my little hidey place between a stack of books and a wall that i would just wedge up in yep and read. there was a comfy gray chair that i would just be in down in the children's area and reading i'd be reading young adult books exactly and the series but mostly even though they were strong women sometimes and it was great that us growing up we had access to strong female characters they were still not me it was very rare that we had books that had brown black leads and people just worlds honestly that were fantasy too the only book i can recall ever reading that had a non-white lead was a book it was called the water maiden i think it was a good story um and i believe the water maiden was is asian Mm. but that's the only book i can recall but all of pretty much all of my favorite books aside from the water maiden they were all white authors Mm. those are like a wrinkle in time Mm. it like there are just so many that i remember having i'm trying to think of as a kid and And i still have some of those books even now and but they're pretty much all white authors Yep. And not until you mentioned it after coming back from Korea, did I stop and think about it. And I was like, yeah, I really don't. The books have been there. Yeah. Octavia Butler. So many books have, and stories have been there. We just didn't have just, access and know about and them. And no one ever mentioned, hey, we were like, getting these reading lists from the library or yes. from school. They weren't to, on hey, there. read this book. This is a good story. That didn't happen. And the thing I do remember, though, in, in high school, there were some things that were being proposed as like books for us to read and remembering them being banned and we weren't supposed to read them because it was, and that whole mess. And some of the books, not some of these books, but there were some books that that I wish I would have known about earlier that we should have known about earlier that I had wanted to read. And we were told we couldn't read because of, for whatever reason, I just happened to have teachers that really wanted us to read stuff outside of what was considered classics or the normal or what we should read to understand English and writing and things like that. Those are good teachers when they encourage you to look beyond what everyone else is telling you. Book lists have changed quite a bit, Mm. I think, since then. Mm. But still, that's a lot of years and a lot of time you spent growing up without knowing about a lot of things because there just wasn't access. It wasn't very popular. And I think even still now, it's possibly that stories with a white male protagonist still sell the highest. Mm. But I think there's... Go ahead, I'm sorry. There's probably starting to be a shift there is but it's still probably some of the ones that still sell the highest even though netflix and things have different a variety of stories Mm. if you look at a lot of them they're still the main characters are still white or male or female and they have the supporting character is a person Person of of color color. and usually that person of color is lgbtq plus so that they can kill like i feel like it's killing two birds with one stone Mm. so now we got two minorities guarded together to one the latest one and even then even though they're a shared lead role they're still like a um, hierarchy it feels like in the shared lead role for for the old guard yes and I which i she, did like yeah i don't know if she was well there was the two guys they were lgbtq they were queer but i don't think the lead other person what's her name charlie Theron. no the black woman oh was, um i didn't look at their names so i am now i'm blanking on either on way that. still it goes back to the point of like we don't get a chance to really get into her it was still though a shared role it wasn't fully given to a person of color and there's so many things still out there that sometimes they come out and i'm just like 
Yeah, it has a good idea, but I'm just like so tired of seeing white people in it. And especially when it's like worlds of fully white people and there's like the one or two black people and brown people. You're and just like, where did these people come from? And you're like, so where's your family life? Like, did you just stumble in from another town? Or like, did you just, are did you the an wind alien? blow you in? And there was one show that I watched that I thought was funny how they dealt with it in that sense. It was like a black comedy show, but like not black comedy, but dark comedy. And uh, in it, though, they kind of address because it's an all white cast and it's supposed to be like back in time. Like this, it's set way, way, way back before Columbus discovered America. Oh, it's in Europe. And it was kind of like this random uh, person of color appears in this town. And so they go through this backwoods way of describing how he ended up in there. But it addresses how... And so many things, there's like never a person of color. And if there is, you're like, how did you get here? Why are you the only one in this? <laughs> and there's only one. And it, it's like one version was that it was a slave because of the war. And it was like, but still, why are you the only one? And like how travel and how connected and disconnected. But anyway. Well, SNL did a similar skit and it was about the second install, the second movie of Frozen, where basically I guess there's a character that is a uh, black male. Oh, I have not seen this either. Yeah, I, uh, I had neither, but I saw the the, the skit yeah, at SNL, and the question was, "Where did you come from?" <laughs> I gotta look. And that up. was the one thing that uh, answered that they never got is, "How did he get there?" <laughs> because I think someone else wanted to be in Wakanda, and they were like, "You can't be there because you're you're white," and he was just like, "And yet this <laughs> other <laughs> can be there, can be here." Well, you just can't be there. How did you get to Wakanda would be the question. This all goes to say, though, this it's amazing to have this book. And I'm sometimes I don't want to say I'm jealous of youth at this time, but I am in a sense of as much craziness and turmoil that there is. There is so much out there reading and visually speaking to and just music, arts, things like that, that are having more access and more visibility that they can see themselves as they grow up and find themselves. Going back to when we talked about um, White Fragility, what's her name, Karen or uh, whoever? Robin Robin, thank you. Sorry, I called you Karen. But Robin, when she said, like, at growing up white, she saw herself in everything. She could be anything and everything because she grew up seeing herself represented in so many things. And it's amazing because now you're seeing more and more stories like this where people can see themselves in imaginary roles and in fantasy and imagine themselves and have their imagination filled with all kinds of options and people. And she says at one point in this interview, and I'm sorry I keep referring back to it, but I feel like she hits a lot of great points in it. It's like when I see the book in a young black girl's hands, it's like I know that that can possibly save them 10 years of not seeing themselves in their own imagination of not feeling like they can be the hero, of not feeling like they're beautiful, of not feeling like they're smart just because of the color of their skin, she said, because that's the message everyone else is giving them. Yes, and I agree with that. Mm -hmm. She's right. That is the message that society gives, whether or not it's conscious or subconscious. But that is the message that is being sent, that you have less of a value if you are other, or as the saying goes, white makes right. Mm. In the, or the lighter you are, the better you are. And Oprah, depending on if you love Oprah or you don't, she did a interview a few years ago. And one is called Dark Skin Girls. And mm, I think the other is called Light Skin Girls. Oh, about, and you can find it on YouTube now. But it's basically a conversation about how 
women are being made to feel Mm -hmm. depending upon whether you're you're dark skin or light skin because in the black community here in the united states we have issues of colorism which basically means Mm -hmm. the lighter you are the better you are Mm -hmm. and i've seen this play out in families Mm -hmm. of people that i know i've seen this play out in our own family not us immediately in it yeah but, but I have seen that in extended families, and I'm not going to say which side. And I'm not going to, and to say it's not just women too. It's across the but board, men of too. like yeah, of the light skin, and it's both negative and I don't say positive, but like there are traits that are given that are seen as more positive, and then there are traits that are given that are seen as negative for both dark skin and light skin that we apply on both ends to each other. I just remember when we were little, one of our neighbors, Ms. Noble, mm. is light is a light skinned black woman. Yes. And I remember we had a conversation and I don't know what led to it, but it was something very important. I think that I needed to hear was that she said when she was growing up, when she was little, she was taught as well as other children who were lighter skinned Mm. that it was important for them to be the role model for everyone else because there was more that and the fact that how they acted would reflect back on all black people as well so Mm. that they had to be the best they could possibly be to make the rest all of the rest of black america look good as well and that's a pretty heavy burden Mm. to put on people and it's unfair yes but that was what they were taught is because they were light they had this response that she had this responsibility i feel like there's also the tied to that is just this idea of that like and maybe i'm wrong but the concept of like when they're accepted by the predominant the i don't say predominant dominant society when they were acting let's say favorably in their eyes that that was the white side of them and that if there were any things that were off or like behavior that was the black side of them and even dealing with that with as being a light skin and dark uh, versus dark dark skin person and to your point yeah i can see i i didn't know that they specifically had been assigned i guess or a lot of light skin because i feel like any person who's in the the brown community who ever makes it anywhere are told the same thing that i don't know but you represent all of us yes that automatically seems to come the higher your status is the more you represent every black person like you're the ambassador for all black people instead of you just being who you are that's basically like saying kanye west represents all Mm. of black america is that why he's running and we know that's not true he does not represent us as a collective not at all kanye is kanye yeah yeah um, <laughs> period but period but see but but that's it because it's like oh well because we see him and he's one of those famous black people he's like the rest they're all the same yes who his largest audience are pr- predominantly young white people mm-hmm. well it's easy sometimes to get the to be under that false illusion that all black people are like that and that's not the case so here comes the surprise to find out that hey not all black people are the same. We're not all shucking and jiving here for you. Sam, like, well, but that's basically it. That's not what. We, that's not what we're here for. Yeah, I. Yeah, I can't get into Kanye. It's well, a- I think James Baldwin, and I'm a paraphrase something he said, but I I like the way he said it. He was like, "We're basically we're liars." we're thieves we're basically human just like anybody mm-hmm. else and yeah. if you have liars and thieves that are among us you also have heroes as well right why can't we have the full spectrum that 
we are no we are no better or no worse than any other group of people going back to that point of saying that like this time period is very interesting to grow up in is because you're also seeing people of color play roles of villains but not that stereotypical like gangster or like what whatever uh pimp or the word i was trying to say or whatever kind of role that has been was savage pimp uh gangster whatever role for a person of color african dictator has been used as like yeah as a as a villain i'm trying to think of all the roles i could i could possibly well i'm also thinking of also outside of black people but uh you know because that could get you know you've seen all the other non-black villains sometimes are very racially yes questionable but you see now these more complicated or if not complicated play the same kind of crazy mofos that we used to fear when we watched lifetime movie network movies you know like oh we can all be crazy in the same way oh we can all be a manipulative hacker who is like obsessed with you and is a narcissist and is trying to like break into your house and destroy your family are you talking about what fatal affair yeah but i was it was so nice to see omar epps as a crazy ass Man, because that's like, yes, this shit happens to black people, too. Not just yes. white people have, like, crazy exes who are hackers. Or stalkers. Who, who stalk you. Yeah, stalkers who, like, or things like that, you know? We have just the same. We're not just all dictators from another, like, mysterious country on the Orient. We're not all gangsters. <laughs> we're, not, yeah. we're not all on welfare. Exactly. So, I, you know, it's an interesting I mean, time. a lot of us are pretty much on welfare now because we need help. But that's an issue that's I beyond wish us. I was on wel- well, I wish I was on some welfare right now. But anyway, I digress. But going to this point, I think that it's I'm excited to see this being turned into a movie. I know it's been delayed with COVID as such. But from what I can tell, they're still like working on, you know, filming for it and i'm super excited it's for the first book but i'm like man if they do a movie for each book you know i'm about to be in that movie theater i'm like give me 17 feet on both sides please (laughs) and a mask (laughs) that would be great actually for sure i know i would pay to go see it Mm. see all the movies well first of all the first one has to be good and she said though she basically she said uh, and I am paraphrasing this time that she is hoping that this is going to be like how Wakanda was an all black power cast, you know, of these amazing different kinds of actors, actresses that are out there, actors that are out there, not actors and actresses that are out there waiting to be picked up and seen and, and share their talent. There's ones that we already know of, but there's ones, there's so many more that are out there that we don't know yet. Oh, like my, Oh, maybe we should have this. Like, I wish we were like popular enough for this point. I'd be like, can we put a poll of like, who do you think should play which character? (laughs) That would be good. Right? Like who would play Zaley? Who would play Amari? Who would play Nan? Zane? Oh, God, I don't even know. I have to do it. I don't know because the hard part is trying to find enough that are close. Black are close Twitter, man. That if we put this up on Black Twitter, they would fit. Like, because I've seen that before where they do other stuff where they're well, like. maybe we, we should, should try. No, we don't have a Twitter account. I don't no, either. I, I have a personal one, but I never use it. And I said some stuff. But that would, But that would be very interesting. Yeah to find out because i'm sure there are plenty of actors and actresses oh when i've seen those things that they post about like who should play what role and i'm like who are these black people or some of them i'm like oh that's your name i've seen you and stuff and i I think john boyega should be in the film but i don't know who he Mm. would play maybe maybe zane maybe yeah i could see him being ogboy ogboy player ogboy i don't know how you say it that game that they played that he was really great at Ogbo. Ogbo. yeah Ogbo. i didn't i didn't i didn't uh i didn't write down spelling 
Anyway, I didn't. I didn't get the. Uh, he could be in the movie. I just don't know what the he audiobook would play. for that one. Uh, yeah, that would be fascinating to figure out what people would want to, who to play. But you have to read the book to be able to tell us. You can't see it, but my eyebrows lifted. Yes, but if you have some ideas, that would be good. I think the king could be Idris Elba. Yeah, you did say that before. I don't know. He would be so good, but I don't know if I could come back to him after that. He's played bad guys in the past, but I don't know. That might tear. I don't know who the queen would be though. Oh yeah, because she has to. She has to be a little light though, because yeah, she was light skin. That that plays a role. Well, I think most of the coast downs were lighter skin anyway. They were, but Amari was considered dark. Dark, So I don't know. Yeah, going back to that colorism. Uh, well, maybe, uh, somebody had a little bit of darker people on their side of the family. You know monarchies like to dip. Someone might have dipped somewhere. I, I kind of wish that Zaley was older, because I think Jody, who is it, Jody Turner? Mm, the one who plays, uh, from, um, she was in Night Flyers, but she's also married to, uh, what's his name? That white guy. <laughs> yeah, I him. can see his name from, do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> What's the one? Mighty Ducks? No. uh, Nah, I can't remember. Joshua Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So that is Jody Turner. Okay, I just want to make sure. I think that's Jody Turner. I just want to make sure. But if Zaylee were older, I think Jody Turner, she would be. Who knows what this third book will bring. Jody Turner would be a great Zaylee. You know how they have older people playing young people? Maybe. Yeah, but I don't don't think she'd be able to. Well, she's an actress, so she could pull off. uh, She's an actor, I should say. So she could pull off whatever, but I, yeah, it would be remains to be seen. But I would please no whitewashing. I know she would not allow it, but in a, in a, but studios try to studios do try to get away with that, right? Though. I forgot who she said what studio. I think it's like Lucas Films or something. Oh, and they're owned by Disney. Yeah, that's why I was worried. Well, Disney is making out a the concerted effort it. because there's a lot of money tied up in this. <sighs> yes, let's see who was it for. Okay, Children of Blood and Bone. It's going to be directed by Rick Famuyiwa. Famuyiwa? And it, yeah, Lucasfilms. It's a Lucasfilms project. So, Ooh, And it's written by Kay O'Yagan. And I feel like when I read an article about this, he's like this interesting writer as well of some sort. I forgot what he does. Anyway, I digress. That sounds like it'll be good. I'm sure they all do a good job with casting. I just, I'm impatient. I like... Oh, I know, I want to see Oops, it now. Kay O'Yagan is a woman. Sorry, she's the NAACP image award for outstanding writing in Ooh. a dramatic series i don't know what show that is though what show did it, does uh, it mention? i don't know i can't it's it's you know how google i don't google like that anyway <laughs> google like um, that oh this is us she writes on this is us oh so maybe i've heard great things about that i've never watched this i haven't either oh she's got something else called the ancestor i don't know there's a bunch of stuff anyway i digress <laughs> y'all sorry but there's a movie coming out so get excited because i'm excited and i'm like keep giving myself amnesia so that i don't get sad because it's not out yet well we still have book number three that has to come out first, <sighs> who knows so. what well she and she already had the idea in mind i'm like uh, hey so covid is happening so i know you have time but i'm trying not to pressure you because everyone should self-care but i'm really gonna need that book like by 2021 January. I don't at think the we can pressure her. Yeah, it's not like she has direct contact, but if you want to send us a book or a script, manuscripts early, <laughs> if you just want to send us a messages, well, you got to give us two free yes. copies because we will fight over one. I mean, if we're both reading something else at the same time, you know, we could share. But like, I would like my own manuscript. That's yes, I, I would too. But anyway, that is kind of how would you, how many of the fuzzy froze would you give? 
this amazing piece of work. Wow, I'm being very biased. I would have to give it five fuzzy froze. Five fuzzy froze. I would also give it five fuzzy froze because it was an emotional roller coaster of teenage angst all over again during the middle of a wartime. Whew, that was yeah, it y'all. Was, it was a lot. It was. It's a good story. So much happens in there, and we could not tell you like so so much happens 30, from beginning to end. But by the time you get to the end, you'd be like, wait, wait, wait. Wait, what? <laughs> you just be like, what the fluff? <laughs> yep. Honestly, like, I'm sorry, what happened? I'm like, did I take I a nap? Like, I actually did. I think I asked you. I was like, did I read that right? I was like, what I went back, happened? reread, re-listened, and it was still nothing. I felt that I had been bamboozled. <laughs> I wanted it to be like, dear library, I think someone took out a part of the book. I don't know how they can do this with a digital copy, but I actually, yes, I, I kept going and I was like, there has to be more to this story than this. And no, it stopped. Uh, that's not, I can't with this life. So I will give it the same i think i already said that yes and it was amazing get out there and read it get them books on it's something that when i settle down for life again for real i'm gonna buy a new whole book set it's gonna be that fancy one where it looks all real nice i'm sure she'll have oh, like for sure. limited What's edition all the, sets at some point once all of them are available yes i will go to a black owned bookstore to buy my copies <laughs> So next time we are going to be watching this show called Soul City. And I kind of stumbled upon it through Instagram by accident. And it's a it's a I think it's a mini series, like a three part mini series, mini series on this streaming service called Topic. Hmm. I've never heard of them. I have not ever heard of Topic either. But it's set in New Orleans and lore collides so lore as in storytelling collides with dark magic in this horror anthology series created by cootie and chike i don't know how it's c-h-i-k-e and it's starring a few people these twilight zone style tales expose chilling corners of the big easy Ooh, so we'll be talking about that's that. That's nice because we got family from Louisiana, right? I think there's only like three episodes, so it's gonna be shorty like the the other web series, but we'll see how this goes. So, we will. But until then, we'll put our crayons back in the box. No more coloring on the wall, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Till then. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast. Pocket Cast and Radio Public. Please remember to like our podcast and give us a five star rating. And don't forget to you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and music by Moon Apple Plus.